0: Hello and welcome to Earth Medicine Podcast, your daily medicine for inspired living. My name is Alexia and I am sharing stories, motivations and wisdom from Mama Earth and her change makers. I am so excited you're here with me today. Now tune in and listen. Hello and welcome to another episode of Earth Medicine Podcast. Today I am sitting right at the banks of Mother Ganga with my dearest teacher Ma Severa at her home at Kirti Hermitage. Uh, Ma has been on Earth Medicine Podcast very regularly, and today I am going to speak to her about Maya, Maya Devi, or the Great Goddess. Right? Can you call her Goddess? Goddess of uh, Illusion or also magic, as it's often described in the, in the texts, I believe. Um, welcome, Ma, first of all.
1: Hello, Alexia, and hello to all your audience,
0: beautiful audience. Yeah, we feel very blessed to have you. I'm going to dive right into this topic with an opening question about Maya um, herself. So we say that under the, the spell of the goddess Maya, uh, we and by we I mean humans are not really able to see the reality of nature as it is. What is is it, what is the truth behind that?
1: Yeah, the Indian tradition talks about Purusha and Prakriti. Uh, Damini, it talks about uh, the Shiva and the Shakti. It talks about the masculine and the feminine aspect of creation. So pure consciousness is like a uh, potential energy and uh, by itself it cannot create anything unless it transforms some of its energy into motion and it makes it kinetic so the kinetic form of consciousness is what is we call shakti and the first attribute of this shakti you know as the process of creation begins uh, between this uh, be- between these two um uh, you know shakti and the shiva as the process of creation begins the first manifestation of the kinetic energy is maya you know the first manifestation the first avatara, you can say is maya because in the wheel of maya everything becomes acceptable and everything becomes recognizable and appears to be true so Maya is the first manifestation of Shakti mm-hmm. and in her spell the other forms of Shakti you know, manifest into the various dimensions of uh, creation. And uh, that means as a part of the creation, every part of the creation, the underlying force is Maya. The first force that uh, captivates uh, the attention of the seer
0: mm-hmm. you
1: know, is Maya. That means inevitably, whatever you see around you, you will first be in the captivated force of Maya
0: and then be able to recognize other things. So So, that's really interesting because usually what I often learn is we try to find ways to get out of Maya, but the way you described it, it's actually like an honorable way because without Maya, we wouldn't be experiencing the world at all, no?
1: Yes, it's the foundation
0: uh element of the Devi, the foundation right. element of the Devi,
1: it is on the basis of Maya that the entire creation was created. So it's fundamentally it, it touches you first. The moment you see, I mean, the moment your sense of your senses are open to perceiving the universe, the first thing that touches you is Maya. Mm. And, and so that's why when you come into a stage of awakening, mm-hmm when you are spiritually awakened, you understand the function of the maya and that understanding the function of the maya helps you to transcend the maya and be
0: able to look at things as it is. So maya is really needed for us to awaken. Because without Maya, we wouldn't be here, and we wouldn't grow, and we wouldn't evolve as souls, yeah, right? So Maya absolutely. is giving us the opportunity to grow yes. beyond the human experience. Yes,
1: and the capability of the yeah. of Maya is also something that makes us enjoy the world. All the colors of the universe come from Maya.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, the
1: spectrum of uh, the you know the creative uh, colors are all coming from
0: Maya. But by enjoying the 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 world we have to kind of engage in our senses. No? A lot of teachings tell us to not engage our senses and enjoy the world to grow beyond. It's like that. When you're in school, what
1: is being taught to us in the kindergarten is different from what is being taught to us in grade 10. In the kindergarten, they tell you not to forget your eraser. And in class 10, they say you're not going to touch the eraser. You know, so they are two contradicting things because the mm-hmm. uh, the player's capacity is different. So there are different teachings for the unevolved, and there are different teachings for the evolved. You know, so transcending Maya is something that uh, on the soul's completion journey, as the soul mm-hmm. is completing its journey from different manifestations and from different yonis and different uh, beings, as it as it rises from the human a Superhuman form and mm-hmm. is ready to evolve into a transcendental life. It is at that time that you uh, imbibe the teachings and the learnings of um, transcending Maya mm-hmm. or you know, piercing through the wheel of Maya. It is not uh, it, for, for everyone else, it's important for them to be in the Maya, otherwise, life can be very. If if non dualistic teaching, and empathic teaching was was given and could be imbibed by each and every person, life can become very depressing. Mm-hmm. You know the colors of maya are important for a lot many people. In fact, majority of the people. They are just a few handful of people who can be really sincerely told to pierce the veil of maya. For the rest of them, it's important for them to be soaked in maya.
0: Okay, so in terms of my example, that would mean for a um, person like me (laughs) who is seeking, you know, for awakening or spiritual um, kind of knowledge to not really renunciate the senses and everything that I experience, but to experience maybe more consciously and then to grow beyond.
1: That's the step first, to experience them more consciously, Mm. come into a balanced uh, way of life. And uh, find your balance and fulcrum at every stage, and then eventually uh when your senses have been trained and the mind has been trained, and all the chitta vrittis are silenced and cleansed, it is only then that one can exercise uh you know transcending the maya
0: and how like what's the medicine for that? How do you do that the uh, cl- the cleansing yeah how that? do you you know um still the fluctuations of your mind? How do you l- really um, live more consciously with the senses? How do you just find balance?
1: Well, it's says <laughs> it's a, it's a regu-
0: relentless
1: regular practice, life after life. It is not a target that we sit on for uh, a couple of months or a year. It's just a relentless practice of all the the limbs of your yoga Um, and also setting up the appropriate way of life, uh, balancing, uh, taking into account your likes and dislikes and becoming more and more conscious and more and more aware of how you are growing over your sensual living, Mm -hmm. you know, day by day, taking control on your diet, taking control more on your physical levels and on your sensual indulgence. You know, whether the awareness and the balancing as it goes on for years automatically helps you to dilute the sensual preferences coming into more spiritual and awakened way of living. So it's not a goal of one lifetime at all.
0: Mm-hmm. It's
1: not the goal of one lifetime.
0: But it requires to inquire the nature of the self, right? To find out all of these things, I have to ask myself every day, uh, who am I? Like, yes. who, who am Set I inquiry. in yeah. my essence? What do I like and dislike? How do I roll? What does work for me? What doesn't work?
1: An ideal combination of uh, uh, bhakti, jnana and karma, you know, uh, customized for every individual, helps him to really overcome all the chitta very soon mm. and very fast. Uh, bhakti out of the three is uh, really very beautiful. Because it uh, takes you into, uh, uh, transcending into God consciousness instantly, very consciously,
0: and mm-hmm. uh, uh, by chanting it, the holy by, name or by, by chanting him? the holy
1: name and by uh, keeping, you know, in your dharana, uh, keeping in your dharana the deity or the that which you are, you know, worshiping. Uh, it's the easiest form, they say. It's a and way of that,
0: surrendering to a higher power Yes, surrendering and concentrating to a, yes, on a higher power. Yes.
1: Without bhakti, uh, you know, it can uh, the quest can remain at the intellectual level and not broaden into your day-to-day practice. Whereas bhakti, uh, in the onset, I mean, when somebody gets into the bhakti yoga in the beginning, it could be more like an artificial uh, mm-hmm. incorporating of, you know, the rasa and the, uh, the rituals and it could be even the chanting can, can look like, oh, he's just suddenly gotten into a new way of life. But when it becomes a practice, then the chitta or the mind equipment, inside equipments get actually filled up with the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, it uh, helps to dissolve and to diffuse the other chitta vrittis. Mm-hmm. It helps to diffuse and clean the other chitta vrittis. Therefore, bhakti is the easiest, but for people who can't get into bhakti um, and honestly say that we, we just don't feel like it, then jnana and karma yoga are also definitely uh, very beautiful paths.
0: So jnana in terms of uh, studying the nature of the self?
1: Meditation. And, and uh, one meditation. One of the important pillars mm-hmm. of jnana yoga is meditation, dhyana yoga. Mm-hmm. You know, Dhyana and jnana come together. So if somebody is following the Gnana Yoga path, then meditation becomes like one of the important aspects of his regular discipline, swadhyay, mm-hmm. and some form of Tapa, including meditation, some form of Tapa. So
0: it takes a lot more it discipline. It takes
1: a lot more discipline. Uh-huh. Bhakti is more full of love. That's why it's easier.
0: <laughs> right. And right.
1: celebrating the Divine, you know, through the day. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're eating, you're do, can, you can do bhakti, you can dance, you can chant, you can sing, you can do seva and karma, everything, bhakti can encompass mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Whereas jnana yoga is dry.
0: And but you're a jnana yogi, ma. I'm so, a jnana yogi. Right. Have,
1: I have my own balance of jnana yoga, karma and bhakti.
0: Right. Uh, but I am truly a bhakti. <laughs> mm. So you're saying that everyone needs to find an individual balance of karma yoga bhakti yoga jnana yoga in their life to overcome, in a way, the limitations of the mind yes. which keep us in maya. Yes. No, because it's it's about the mind in the end. No, absolutely. about the mind keeps us encaged.
1: Absolutely yes, absolutely yes. The mind is the biggest culprit, and the mind is the biggest instrument. You know, it's with the mind that we function. It's with the mind that we get deluded, you know. So, uh, the, the spell casting of the Maya happens on the mind, on the human mind, and through the mind into all the other equipment uh, of the body,
0: you know. Mm-hmm. Right, and what's your personal, you know, story? How did you get to this point? I always have people ask me about Ma's personal story about her yoga path so what does that involve the karma jnana and bhakti yoga in your daily life
1: yes i've been a a bhakti yogi for long but uh, in a lot of blindfolded bhakti Mm -hmm. there uh, my inquiry was not enough until i reached a middle age my inquiry was not uh, strong enough i believed in god very strongly and i believed in all the forces of the universe very strongly but my study was not so, um, you know, deep. It is uh, from the middle age, let's say from my beginning 30 age, um, I started into self-inquiry and mm-hmm. I started into a scriptural reading um, and then forming my own scientific uh, methodology of understanding bhakti itself. You know, so when uh, surrender comes with the right understanding, it is firm and determin- determined. When surrender comes, uh, without right knowledge, then uh, it can be lopsided. It can be uh, escape route. It can be also short lived. You know, mm-hmm. there, there can be a time that one can just uh, come out of faith completely. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, it should be supported with right knowledge. Hence, study, uh, contemplation, uh, constant reading and learning should be. Um, going hand in hand with bhakti mm-hmm. you know it should go hand in hand with bhakti there the, the none of these are uh, to be omitted mm-hmm. because then it's it's uh, if if someone is just uh, just doing intellectual study without and without putting in an effort to learn how to surrender then that remains to the intellectual level mm-hmm. on the other hand someone is uh, you know surrendering and uh, getting into the bhakti mark without self inquiry then that can become a blind faith, uh, you know, practice. Both are not bad, but they're incomplete. Mm-hmm. They're not bad. It's, it's better that a person is in a blind faith practice than not being in a
0: practice at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But the full package, it sounds, you know, huge. Yes. For, for people maybe who are listening, who have a house for the life, or who are very new to yoga, I wonder, and you're sitting, you know, here in your beautiful orange gown, <laughs> talking from a Swami perspective, I wonder, you know, is this attainable for a normal, regular person? How, how do you start this path?
1: Yes, you know, everything has to come in the right
0: dosage at the right time, oh.
1: and according to your lifestyle, and according to which uh, ashram you are living in, that means are you in a student life or are you in a grasta Ashram? Or are you in your retiring age and going to Vandaprastha? Or are you already done with everything in life and are prepared for Sannyas Ashram? It all depends on which level of your life are you in mm-hmm. at present. The, the, there are different things that you need to do when you're in a Guru or when you're in an education system. You know, Your focus has to be more on intellectual grooming and physical strength. Mm-hmm. And at that time, probably a little dosage of surrender and understanding the universe is required. When you come into Grahastashram, you have to understand the working of the Maya so that you're able to maneuver through your relationships very beautifully and are able to take obligations to the topmost priority and take your worldly living in the topmost priority. You know, And then when you come into vanapras which is the later middle age, You know, when it's time that your children have grown up and they are settling down, and it's time for you to wean away from the attachments Mm -hmm. of the children, Uh, that's what we call Vanaprasthashram. That's when we recommend that, okay, go into isolation and contemplate on the true nature of Mm -hmm. yourself. That is the time when the dosage of spirituality should be heavy, Mm -hmm. and withdrawal from the Maya, you know, should begin. And then sannyas ashram. When you have spent a couple of years in contemplation, it's time to renounce everything. Mm-hmm. Time to renounce your attachment to money, your attachment to your relationships. So
0: attachments and, from the material from world all the completely. Material
1: world okay. Completely. And so, in one lifetime, the Indian tradition recommends. Everyone to be a sannyasi towards the end of
0: the life. Wow. Yeah. And so the, basically the only thing you need is to stay curious, no? And, and yes. trust that you will yes. be guided through yeah. different <laughs> stages of your life. And what we want to experience is just peace and knowing more about the universe and the nature of the self. You know? what, does, what does it give us or what do, we, what do we get from transcending Maya? Yes. What do we get?
1: By transcending Maya, wait a minute. you're young seekers, as I see the, so many of them coming from the West, you're young seekers, mm-hmm. you know, in, in, your, in your youth and in your middle age. And uh, here, the use of transcendence of Maya is only to be able to optimize your energy system mm-hmm. and not let it become gray to anything that you may fancy as in terms of career or relationship or mm-hmm. um you know money goals. So, so you you're able to handle it all. Mm-hmm. That's the only role of piercing through the Maya.
0: So basically understanding that the material world is is an illusion or it's just here to help us understand that we are more than that. Yeah, or that exactly. we are a soul or that we are we have something eternal inside of us. What is the the thing that We want to grasp?
1: The hunger, the hunger, which is also a part of Maya, Mm -hmm. that we all of us have, you know, as human beings, to grow, to earn, to be rich, to be well-known, to be accepted, to be loved, to be appreciated, and to spread out, and to own things. You know, this is all uh, the nourishment given to us by Maya. Now, when you start recognizing Maya, the hunger comes in control first of all you know so if you would still pursue any of these goals they would be to enjoy the world and to probably create so much of harmony here um it, it is like you divert all your goals from self-centric point to a divine centric point
0: mm mm-hmm. so you trust that everything that happens has a reason or you you're more peaceful with Whatever happens in your life, you're okay. not so dramatic, probably. Of
1: course, of course, of course. You take everything. You take everything as it comes, and you're okay with whatever is happening. You mm-hmm. know, when you are, when you learn transcendence, when you learn transcendence, and when you learn to, uh, to flip the page of Maya, you learn how to look at things directly, and yet be on a path of uh, whatever worldly pursuance you are on. You know, mm-hmm. it does, piercing the, the, the wheel of maya does not mean that you no longer become operational in the world. Mm-hmm. It does not mean that. You, you would be functional and operational, but you would do with great awareness. And it is normally, it normally happens that people who pierce through the wheel of maya, they divert their goals to the divine-centric, field. Mm-hmm. that means they earn, they use the money for the good of all, or you know they go build up uh, places of learning and spreading knowledge. Um, they celebrate, they celebrate for the divine. They dance, they dance for the divine. They cook, mm-hmm. they cook for the prasada. You know, it, it automatically from self-centric point of view to the divine-centric point of view, mm-hmm. life takes a twist. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the biggest blessing of. Transcending.
0: Is this also the moment when divine guidance
1: it comes, comes into our life yeah, more? Yeah, it because comes to you we, more and more, okay, you would attract. You you would attract satsang. You
0: mm-hmm. would
1: attract satsangis and you would attract people who are in inquiry, and you would uh, you know uh, easily get access to all the guidance. You meet the mm-hmm. right kind of people, right kind of mentors, and li- right kind of books come in your life. And you get addresses that that open up doors to so much more learning mm-hmm. automatically.
0: Wow, that's a a beautiful, beautiful story about Maya Devi. Um, so maybe to to finish this little talk about the goddess, what is the the purest or one basic medicine you can give to the listeners? To start the process of maybe self-inquiry or one thing that you think that could help people who listen to understand Maya?
1: Well first and foremost thing I think that there should be a deep reverence for this entire creation. Mm. We have uh, as a soul we have an opportunity to live in a human body and be a part of whole drama be a part of a, it's like you know the excitement that the child gets in school when he's chosen to play a drama. He's so happy. Oh, I'm going to be on stage. <laughs> you know, that kind of excitement and exuberance um, is something that is primarily uh, it should, it must be there with to all your listeners. This was this is my uh, very sincere request and prayer that enjoy your human life. You know, have reverence for it. By enjoying, I don't mean intoxicating. Mm-hmm. By enjoying, I mean have reverence, a divine reverence and a divine feeling, blessedness and gratitude in your heart for being a part of this beautiful world. Number one, appreciate, honor your human life. And appreciate human. your human life uh, means make the best use of it mm-hmm. by not only grooming yourself, educating yourself in the best possible way, but also inspiring others, you know, to live a very lovely and a very healthy way of life. Not to waste this beautiful human life into any kind of intoxication and substance. Not to waste this human life into sadness at all. And not to waste this human life into uh, bothering about petty... Um, mundane things that are not deserving of human beings. Be very honoring and uh, caring to all the other fellow beings of this earth, understanding that a human life is very precious, you know, and caring to all the beings of the universe, including the plant life and the animal life, and honor each other's presence on earth, not fighting for existence, knowing there is enough, and much more available for mm-hmm. all of us to be co, co- living you know, coexisting. Mm-hmm. This would be the beginning of a very honorable journey on earth, and I think would give you probably the best living experience on earth.
0: Mm-hmm. And also the biggest growth. The no? Biggest growth, possibility
1: mm-hmm. of growth, yes.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Ma. I think this is a very beautiful. Uh, talk and description about maya i feel like i got to know um, more about it um, to all listeners this was my beautiful teacher Magian severa from the banks of mama ganga i'm so grateful thank you thank for you, talking Damini. to me thank you
1: and lots of love to all your audience may god shower you with wisdom and maya with a twinkling eyes smile at all of you <laughs> god bless